Sam Nunberg used to work as a political advisor for Donald Trump. Then he was fired by Donald Trump. Before too long, he was hired back again and fired again, then hired back and fired one more time. Donald Trump even sued him for $10 million. And because of his work for Donald Trump's campaign, he got hauled this year before a federal grand jury by Robert Mueller. And yet, for all that, Sam Nunberg is now working one more time to help President Trump in this year's congressional elections. We'll talk to Sam Nunberg and try to get inside his head and explore what that reveals about Trump world in today's episode of Skullduggery. There is absolutely no collusion. I didn't make a phone call to Russia. I have nothing to do with Russia. Everybody knows it. Because people have got to know whether or not their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. I told the American people I did not trade arms for hostages. My heart and my best intentions still tell me that's true. But the facts and the evidence tell me it is not. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. The British government has learned that Saddam Hussein recently sought significant quantities of uranium from Africa. How many times do I have to answer this question? Can you just Russia no is a it? ruse. I'm Michael Isikoff, Chief Investigative Correspondent for Yahoo News. And I'm Dan Clydeman, Editor-in-Chief of Yahoo News. Uh, you know, Dan, I think this is going to be a really one of our uh, uh, better shows. We've got um, a... Absolutely uh, fascinating guest, Sam Nunberg, uh, coming at a really uh, pivotal moment uh, for the president uh, with his lawyer, uh, Michael, former lawyer, Michael Cohen, threatening to spill the beans on uh, Donald Trump. Uh, yeah. And I think that, um, you know, what I love about um, characters like Sam Nunberg, um, who we'll be talking to, talking to soon, is, I mean, he really, you know, he's been before the, grand, the Mueller grand jury. He was in the Trump campaign. He knows all these characters. He's close to Roger Stone. Um, and yet um, he is eager to be out there and tell right. his story and talk to reporters. Well, uh, he, he, he was in the campaign. He was out of the campaign. He was in the campaign. He was out of the campaign. Uh, he was fired. He, he was, was sued, sued by Donald Trump but for now, $10 million. we're going to have a little news because he's working on a new project to help, uh, with Steve Bannon to help the president uh, in the uh, uh, mid-year election. Uh, but let's talk to our colleague, Hunter Walker, who probably knows more about Sam Nunberg than anybody else. Hunter, tell us about your uh, uh, your your relationship with Sam Nunberg. <laughs> well, so Sam and I have had sort of a, a long, strange trip. Um, you know, I first encountered Sam in in 2013, actually, when when. Um, you know, future President Trump was flirting with um, running for governor in New York. Um, and I had forgotten time, about the that. Trump yeah. yeah, and at the time, the Trump political shop was a two-man operation. It was just Sam Nunberg and Roger Stone. Um, and, you know, Trump ended up not getting involved in that race. But in my initial what conversations with those guys... Um, <laughs> They were very clear. I think Roger was actually trying to discourage him from getting involved with the governor's race um, because he was saying, you flirted with president too many times. People are not going to take you seriously. And what they were both telling me at the moment was that, you know, Trump really, really 
was wounded by how people felt his prior dalliances with White House bids were not serious. And so they were coming into the 2016 race and they were all telling me, you know, Trump is really going to do it this time. He's going to make an official run for it. And, you know, once Trump did, the campaign was really still that two-person operation. I mean, they were Donald Trump's political team, just Roger and Sam. And, and Hunter, um, and you, given- you wrote this fascinating and incredibly colorful piece in Yahoo News um, a couple of years ago about the launching of the campaign at Trump Tower, um, all of the theatrics involved, and it was really a, a Roger Stone, Sam Nunberg production. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so that piece, we published it on uh, November 4th, 2016, a couple days before the election. Uh, and the title was Mr. Trump's Wild Ride, uh, Insider's Dish on the Early Days of the Campaign that Shook America. And it was basically me going back to the key players in, from the beginning and getting sort of the oral history of that, that you know now iconic moment when Donald Trump came down the escalator and announced his campaign. And, you know, at the time of that announcement, that 2015 announcement, basically the political shop hadn't really grown much beyond Roger and Sam. It was basically Roger, Sam, Michael Cohen, and Corey Lewandowski, who were advising with President Trump and, and strategizing with him about, you know, messaging and optics. Um, and so one of the more interesting moments, I mean, you know, a, a key thing to understand when reporting on Trump world, and it, it's, it's, true now more than ever, is that there are a lot of competing interests and a lot of competing accounts. So even, you know, trying before all the investigations and all the the more recent drama, trying to get these guys to give me a a clear story about what happened uh, leading up to that announcement was hard. All right, Hunter, get to the elephants. I want to hear the elephant story. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, one one of the more disputed disputed, uh, issues at hand was this so-called announcement elephant. And, you know, Sam and Roger were both very clear that they wanted it to be this like smash mouth wrestling influence spectacle. But apparently, according to Sam, Michael Cohen wanted to take it even further and bring in circus animals to Trump Tower for this announcement. And Michael Michael vehemently disputed that he ever wanted this and was actually quite mad at me for some time that we included it in the story. But Sam insists that Michael wanted an announcement elephant to accompany President Trump. And there's Trump. a great quote in there in your story because uh, Michael Cohen is making the case that like he knows how to put on a good show. And uh, what was what, what what did he cite as his as evidence for that? Uh, well, so Michael Cohen is from uh, much like my own mother, the five towns of Long Island, which is a, a very very uh, heavily Jewish enclave on Long Island. And according to Nunberg, Michael Cohen said, "I can do this. I plan the best bar mitzvahs." And Sam loved it. He said, "That's the exact mindset we needed." Hey, so look, uh, uh, your anecdote there does raise a quite critical question for uh, us all at this moment, which is how credible is Michael Cohen? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's that's a pretty tough question. Long pause. Right? Because... <laughs> 
essentially what we've got going on is Michael Cohen is, you know, at the center of of various legal investigations. Um, the Southern District of New York is, is looking at his payments to these women who alleged affairs with Trump. They're also looking at his personal business dealings, which include a huge real estate portfolio, these taxi businesses that are tied to various shady figures in New York. And then also, Michael Cohen is being looked at by Bob Mueller, you know, for his efforts to build a Trump Tower in Moscow, which we've reported went on far longer than Cohen initially acknowledged to congressional investigators. So Cohen is at the, you know, in the eye of this storm. Um, and, you know, he's now started to, you know, through his through his attorney, Lanny Davis, release tapes that he made with Trump and hint he may have dirt to spill on the president. And, you know, I, I see, you know, liberal critics of Trump, you know, jump on this and they're getting ready for Michael Cohen to sort of deliver the smoking gun. But, you know, if you believe that Michael Cohen was sort of part of all of these dirty deeds, you also kind of have to question what he's ready to say now, because obviously he's got, you know, a, a lot of legal jeopardy he's in personally. So yeah, he's got and a lot he's of already, let's remember, he already uh, testified in private to the House and Senate Intelligence Committees. And uh, anything he says now, if it contradicts what he said before, uh, it gives him a, uh, uh, he's got a, a thousand and one problem lying to Congress. That's a federal felony. So if he is really going to say what uh, Lanny Davis is hinting he's going to say and what's been reported he's going to say, uh, it's very likely he'll have to cop to a felony, um, which, um, you know, you got to wonder if, but if, if he's if, prepared to do that. If he, but if he does that and if his testimony is deemed credible, uh, then Don uh, Donald Trump Jr. has a 1001 problem, uh, right? right? Because he testified that Trump didn't, his father did look, not know about Look, the my line on this is Michael Cohen is either the John Dean or the James McDougal of this story. John Dean uh, flipped on Richard Nixon, uh, was ultimately corroborated by the White House tapes, and became the central one of the central figures in Watergate leading to the president's resignation. James McDougal, uh, not a name all of our listeners might remember, was the longtime business partner of Bill Clinton in the Whitewater real estate deal after he was criminally convicted of fraud uh, by Ken Starr. He flipped and said that the president, then President Bill Clinton, did have knowledge of a fraudulent loan to his then wife, Susan McDougal, uh, and also encouraged him to hire Hillary Clinton, put her on retainer to represent his uh, corrupt savings and loan. But guess what? James McDougall had no corroboration for his story. He was a convicted felon and his story went nowhere and is now forgotten. So um, we we don't know yet which direction the Michael Cohen story will okay, go. Okay, quick, Isakoff, what was Castle Grande? <laughs> Castle Grande <laughs> was one of the fraudulent real estate deals that was being investigated by Ken Starr. Well, we hung out with uh, with McDougal down in Little Rock. Yes, we bit. did. Interesting character. Uh, very interesting character and there were a lot of interesting characters Characters who were around at the time, including Rod Rosenstein, who was on the Ken Starr prosecution team that convicted James McDougal. Hunter, I'm sorry we've eclipsed you with our own uh, kibitzing, um, but uh, we appreciate your time here on Skullduggery. Michael, I could listen to you talk about Whitewater with Dan all day. You're a sick and desperate man, Hunter. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Hunter. Thanks, Hunter. Thanks, guys. 
We'll be back with more Skullduggery. And now we are joined by our special guest, <laughs> Sam Nunberg, um, a guy with a truly unique perspective on um, the president and Trump world in general. Uh, Sam, welcome to Skullduggery. Yeah, this truly is an honor. As somebody who grew up, <laughs> well, let me explain, as somebody who's Please. grown up and lived politics and, of course, you know, Michael Isikoff is one of the major enemies of the right, you know, obviously because he helped Hillary. Uh, you helped Bill Clinton when you covered up the Lewinsky. No, no, the, the other way around. <laughs> I was a major enemy of, of the Clintons during the Lewinsky. It's always so matter. funny. It's always so yeah. funny because to because the way re, the way Republicans cover and things. And he was my colleague, Clydeman here. He was oh, uh, the way Republicans sidekick. cover yeah. it. You're an yeah. enemy of them. Yeah, and you're but. And then, of course, the left hates you. You can never win, right? Equal, well, equal opportunity. <laughs> By the way, I thought you were going to say it's an honor as someone who's been involved in a lot of political skullduggery over the course of my career. Well, that's another way to, <laughs> to say it. We're going to get and into as, that. And by the way, as somebody who's listened to this podcast and read <laughs> and read the uh, Russian roulette and, and had to talk ah, about— okay. Uh, and had to talk— Drunk drinking game. You, you gotta, someone's got to open and, up the bourbon. And, and who had to talk about Michael Isikoff both in my voluntary and grand jury testimony. So, Ooh, I want to hear about oh, that. Okay, we'll get to that but, soon. Uh, just, to, just to sort of buttonhole this, we are the enemy of whoever is in power. That's right. Uh, that's the mantra. No. All right. Now, Sam Nunberg, explain your very weird, strange relationship with the president of the United States. Well, currently we don't have a relationship, but um, the Trump organization and Donald Trump have always played a really central – not a central, but a, a role in my life. Um, if you read Art of the Deal, in the first couple pages, he says – I'm on the phone with my attorney, Jerry Schrager, who, after Roy Cohn died, Trump went back to to exclusively using the firm Dreyer and Traub, which Fred Trump had used. My father was the youngest partner ever made at Dreyer and Traub, had worked on cases for the president. Um, Of course, in the end, when the firm went down, one of the reasons was because Donald didn't pay a million-dollar bill, but these are minor details. And I was at WrestleMania five. And uh, he gave tickets to Jerry, which Jerry gave to my father and me. We were originally sitting right behind Donald Trump and Ivana. And he had us moved because he wanted to have some politician sitting right behind him because, as we were told, he wanted it in the photo. Who was the the politician? I, I, You know, I don't recall because I originally said it was the governor, but it was certainly some – and this was checked out by the New York Times. Mm -hmm. It was somebody. It was it was a senior person that he wanted to see. Perhaps the governor didn't show up. Tom was it a Russian politician? By no, no, it was the New Jersey uh, governor at that. I thought Tom Keene, who has denied, who has said he wasn't there. So it was somebody from the administration. And I was always, you know, there were three types of people in New York who looked at Donald Trump. And I was born, I lived on 86th Street my whole life, uh, right across from Gracie Mansion. I there are three types. There are the uh, senior, the very rich people who don't respect him, don't think his brand is something to look at and don't believe he has money, etc. There are the people that are look at him when he's on a tabloid and say, what the hell? I don't want to read this again. And then there was me. And even at a young age, and obviously I'm somebody who believes no publicity is bad publicity, but even at a young age, always interested in what he was doing, whether it was a hit or a miss. 
always interested. The Howard Stern interviews I grew up listening to. So how, how did you get to Trump World? Very quickly, I met Roger through Alexander Priad. Roger Stone. Roger Stone mm-hmm. through Alexander Priad, ironically, uh, who's working obviously with Larry Kudlow. And I met him at a bar. I continuously emailed him. I had emailed him starting from 2008. He would occasionally respond. Roger, what I had done was, um, and Roger was impressed by this, is I took the Ground Zero Mosque issue to Lazio because he was working, uh, Beth Myers was his general consultant, and I knew that they would screw it up, and Roger and Palladino used it uh, to really uh, win the primary. They won by 30 points, which I had predicted we developed a relationship. And Roger, by the way, see, this was before birtherism. Everybody thinks birtherism got to the wall. No. Trump offered to buy the Ground Zero Mosque as a publicity ploy where he saw that that type of politics could work. Uh, through that, I went to try out getting into the campaigns, the campaign world. Um, now, the way people looked at Barack Obama when he spoke at the 2004 convention when Donald Trump walked in, walked through CPAC in 2011, I sp- in the morning I got screamed at by Michael Cohen, by the way. But in uh, when he walked through we there— I want to ask you about Michael Cohen. Uh, when he walked there, I saw something I had never seen and was something the Republicans would need. And I saw what it could be. And when I was quoted in the Michael Wolf book saying, will he be a good president? I don't know. All I know is he's a star. What I meant is it's like the entourage quote where— uh, where the actor Vinny Chase says to Ari Gold, am I a good actor? And Ari says, I don't know what that means, but I know you're a star. I knew this guy could get elected. The minute I saw him at CPAC in 2011, formally started working for him after he had decided to do Apprentice. He was serious about thinking about running. Kids were four years younger. He was doing the Doral deal. He was doing more golf courses, which, oh, by the way, are not from Russia money. He was uh, trying to get Trump D.C. So I, I want to understand um, mm-hmm. what you really think of uh, Donald Trump. You said you uh, you saw that he had uh, star power, he was a celebrity, and you thought he could get elected. Right. But did you believe in him? Do you continue to believe in him as as the president as as a as a yes good well, president? And this is and this is and this is the idea. People say to me, "Why are you?" fighting for his White House now. Why do you – Let's. there's a concept principles over personalities. Frankly, after the PR ploy I pulled and getting out one that I wasn't a low-level part-time consultant, the way I was – the way he fired me was unacceptable to me. He fired you three times. Four. But the, Four last, times. Time, the last time at the end of the day, I had dedicated my life, had lost money, was underpaid, which was fine because I never asked for more money. Went through a public firing, which was fine because I liked it because my name got out and I assumed Trump was going to rehire me after the BuzzFeed article. But that was – the BuzzFeed article was – you convinced him to participate in a BuzzFeed story that ended up in his Do you want to know the real truth? Do you want to know the real truth on that? He calls me up when Twitter went public. Ben Smith did a lot of interviews and he wanted to see if we could form a relationship with BuzzFeed. I had leaked the story – to McKay Hopkins about uh, Sean Hannity when he was negotiating with uh, Sinclair, I think, and he was saying he was going to leave. And and there's a quote in there. If you look at the story where I said they couldn't sell lemonade in a lemonade stand in uh, Times Square. That was me on background. And McKay was supposed to just go with us to um, McKay was just supposed to go with us on the ride home when he went to New Hampshire. He went to Politics and Eggs in 20. 
uh, 13. This was another reason where Michael was self-dealing on with him, and I got into a big fight with Michael, was... Cohen, Michael Cohen. Michael Cohen was 20... Was, no, excuse me, 2014. In 2013, I knew he was running for president. I knew he was running for president the minute uh, Obama won Virginia. And Michael... Michael... See, and it, it, Michael... I sympathize with the way Michael was treated. At the end of the day, Michael... How, how was he treated? He was treated like dirt at the end of the day from the point of view... I don't care if he was involved with the campaign. I don't think he has good political instincts. If you see what the way it has worked out for him, leaking this tape of him essentially wiring uh, himself when he talks to Donald Trump, there's a uh, there's a very big distinction without a difference. Some would say honor among thieves. Look, if you have an iPhone and you just tape all conversations automatically and then you delete them, that is one thing. If you're sitting in there across from this guy and you, who you claim you would take a bullet for, you have loyalty, you you would do anything, you own six, blah, 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 and you have been taping him, you weren't that loyal to him. It's the same way James Comey can write a book about ethical leadership and tell you how ethical he is. But if somebody has to tell you they're ethical 800 times in, three, in 300 pages, you know they're not ethical. And I but really, how is Cohen mistreated? Because no matter what, he could have just got a job. You could have placed him in the EOB, the uh, Eisenhower executive office. Old executive office. Just give him a job. Yeah. He wanted to go to D.C. Give him a job. I mean, they gave Sebastian Gorka a job. They gave Kellyanne a job. G- give me a break. Is that, is that the root of Cohen's uh, animus to the president right now, that uh, he was hoping to get a job in the administration and Trump wouldn't give him one? I think that, and I think the way that... I liked Michael, but the way we did not want Michael involved because Michael, well, Michael is very good at real estate. He's made a lot of money on real estate. Looked like he was going to like make a lot of money on taxi cabs, but that's not working out now. Um, Michael should not have been involved from the campaign from the perspective in the way that he wanted to be involved because he wasn't a professional. With that said, Michael and I, and I should not have been, I, Michael was very good to me, and when Michael saw partly out of self-interest, the way I was blown out. And I ultimately hold Trump responsible for this, not Corey Lewandowski. But Corey Lewandowski is a disgusting person. Michael tried to help me at the end. But Michael was all... Then Corey went after Michael. Um, So I sympathize with him. All right. But I want to get back to your, uh, I guess, love-hate relationship with the... Pres- with President Trump. Oh, so let's because, go over that. Remember, let me, let me, I just want to, because you, back in March, when you did your much discussed media blitz before your testimony before the Mueller. By the way, has jury, anybody seen something like that ever? Am I, <laughs> did you ever think you'd see something no, like that before grand no, jury no, testimony? No, 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 it was quite, right, would wait, I, wait, 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 quite the spectacle. But let me, I, hold on, okay, hold on, Mike, because, 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 because back then you gave a, an interview, uh, uh, one of your many interviews to our colleague, uh, Hunter Walker, in which you said, uh, quote, notice how I go on TV and I say, I hate Trump. And then later in the piece, you're quoted as saying, I despise Trump. So why did, why did you say those things? Because it was a way, look, and this was something I had to deal with when I got from a personal level. So let me, so don't cut me off here. There is a, I, there, I looked at him and I had a bond with him, which I shouldn't have had in hindsight. This is what psychiatry, when you pay a lot for a psychologist, a psychiatrist, you realize um, where I looked at him as a fall, as almost not as an uncle, I shouldn't say father. And he just threw me under the bus and I had put it away. It was a traumatic experience. I had lived to do that campaign. 
look, if I'm the kind of person that had I gone from the beginning of the campaign to the end, I didn't care if I went into the White House. I'm not a White House type guy. Okay. Really? <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to be part of that campaign and I deserved it. And that was the final straw. And that was the straw. So that's where I say, with that said, getting that out of my system, it's, it's, it really has become water under the bridge. Okay. And you, uh, you, all right, but you hated him at times. He fired you four times. He sued you for $10 million. I didn't care about that. Because of I your work for one. him, you got hauled before the grand jury That's by unfair. Robert Mueller. But now uh, you are working with Steve Bannon mm-hmm. on a project to help Donald Trump in this year's congressional election. You know, it's funny. I love Steve. Steve is just like Donald Trump. We were under strict orders that this was going to be rolled out. I even talked to you, Michael, about this after yeah, Meet off the Press. Off the record. Yeah. yeah you I, talked to me about fine. it, but now you're— uh, It's not my—I didn't leak, I, yeah. I, I didn't have diary of the mouth to Gabe Sherman. Yeah, that was, that was Steve Bannon. Just, All right. So what's the project? And, and why okay. are you working on this? So first of all, um, I was—after I, I, he tr- the way he treated Steve, I called Steve up the next day. And Steve had also helped me and protected me during that campaign. I called him the next day after he left, and I said, you know, how you doing, Steve? I said, you know, he's such a disloyal piece of shit about Trump. And Steve said to me, listen, he got us here. He was the only one who could have won on what we believe in. And I don't take it personally. Don't worry about it. Let's move on and see what we can do. With that said... I was at that point completely disinvolved with politics. I'm working in financial tech and I'm doing private PR for people. Um, Steve, I am one, a supporter of Steve's. I, Steve plays an important role in this world. Now, the same way Steve would tell you, Steve always said, I either had eight years in this White House or eight months. I'm not a White House guy. Steve doesn't look at himself as a White House guy in the end. Steve's been through this before. Steve... It was very good to me after I was fired. But with that said, there's a more important reason here. So let's get to the mission. This election, as Adam Schiff basically told you a, a week ago, and I mentioned a, a couple weeks ago, and I mentioned on uh, last night, on Monday, uh, this week of Anderson Cooper, this election is about Donald Trump's, uh, it's essentially his first reelect, and it's essentially a referendum on 2016. Now, this is I have said this, Donald Trump should not have hosted the Russians less than 24 hours after he hired, uh, after he fired Comey. Comey should have been fired the day after he won. And by the way, I bet you Comey was going to be fired during the Obama, uh, during the Clinton transition by Obama. There was no way she wanted him. But in any event, in any event, it is not for Robert Mueller and is not for Adam Schiff, Jerry Nadler and Nancy Pelosi to relitigate this. It is not. And it is not legal or criminal for a Republican to win a national election. And when you look at this, what they're, what, I know where they're going. And I, where, and where are they going? What do they want to do if they get back control of the House? Oh, obviously, they're going to impeach Trump. It'll then go to the but, Senate. And by the way, there are Republican senators who will vote to impeach him. Ben Sass, John McCain, Mitt Romney. Right. But from a purely political perspective, you want them to do that, don't you? Because it's going to fire up the Republican base. No, uh, and it's going to help the cause. If he, if if the Republicans lose the House, they will only win the House if this is a referendum on Donald Trump. 
If it's no, a, I guess what I mean is in the run-up to the election, you want them to be talking about impeachment because that's going to help uh, Republicans hold on to the House. Is oh, that, that's that's is your, yes. oh, that is correct. That is correct. That's what I meant. It will not help Donald Trump get reelected in 2020 if he's impeached. And Bill right. Clinton was impeached during the second half of his second term. So we have to under – is there a political – uh, point to this, of course. Will it help re, uh, gain enthusiasm, get that gap? But it also, by the way, has the benefit of truth, which which is sometimes something weird in politics. I actually have the benefit of truth here. Don't believe me. Believe, let's say, when when um, Vice Chairman of the Senate Select Committee uh, Warner is interviewed by Chuck Todd, and Chuck Todd says, "Can a president be impeached?" on a circumstantial conspiracy case, and that's what this will be, and I don't even think it's a conspiracy. And he says, that's for the American people to decide. Don't believe me. Believe the biggest donor to the Democrats. So just to be clear, um, this is a 501c4 that's going to be active in the congressional campaign, run by Steve Bannon. You're working with him on it to... uh, gin up the Republican base by warning about the prospect of an impeachment of the president. Steve calls it we're getting a, we're getting a signal through the noise. I would say we're putting a red flare into the fog. We look at ourselves as I would say and uh, as an umbrella type organization where we can educate, obviously, from a C4 point, we're educating the public. It is completely legal. Of course, yes. But we are— Dark a, money, it's called, but go ahead. <laughs> we are an umbrella organization where we help, we can provide guidance and educate the public and educate and help these other groups understand the way we what? believe they should be campaigning and helping. This should not be a referendum on the Republican House and how they have done. This should not be a referendum on the Republican Senate, because trust me, if it is, they're going to lose. <laughs> this is a referendum on Donald Trump. This is a referendum, in our view, on national security, on the economy. So what's the message? The, me- the, the message is, this is Donald Trump's reelect, in a nutshell. This is Donald Trump's reelect. He will be, uh, they will undo your election, Adam Schiff, Robert Mueller. They will undo the outcome, and it will make it a crime for a Republican to win. The guy's got, what, less than 40 percent approval ratings? Why would you want this election to be about Donald Trump? You know, Donald Trump— You lose. I don't think so. Donald Trump is like Howard Stern. He is the political equivalent. When you say he has 40 percent approval rating, on his issues, it's 50-plus. People just don't like him. He doesn't yeah. wear well on people. Right. So look at Howard Stern, for instance. Remember Howard Stern. Half the people that listen to him listen to him. So what's the difference? But they don't like him. If Donald Trump goes to the districts in Congress, in the House, where Hillary Clinton, or goes to those areas in those markets, where Hillary Clinton won, yet the Republicans, a lot of them are retiring, yet the Republican still won, I guarantee you they will do better then they would do if he does, if then those Republicans will end up doing better in the outcome than they would do if he does not there. And I was glad to hear he's going to be campaigning six out of seven days. Isn't part of the strategy here? Like, wouldn't you wouldn't you prefer uh, that the Democrats be drawn into talking about in, impeachment 
Russia. Drawn in. They are going to impeach collusion. him. Well, actually, uh, you know, the talking points, you know, from like the DCCC and, and you know, the <laughs> congressional leaders. Because it doesn't Democrats, poll well. Is, right. Is that, is that actually they well. should be talking about the economy, health care, you know, maybe corruption, but only in the sense that, you know, the special interests are, you know, you're getting screwed by the special interests in Washington. But it, but talking about collusion and Russia and, and um, Stormy Daniels, all of that is better terrain politically for you in a lot of ways than these bread and butter issues. Is that part of the strategy to get them talking about those issues, which actually fires up your base um, and uh, probably doesn't bring in like uh, new voters for, for the Democrats, you know, uh, moderates or independents or, you know, or Republicans well, first who otherwise all, might not vote for Trump. To be precise um, and and also not – let me just first say that we, we do win on the issues. I would argue this – I can argue this point with you. Our issues, our national security, our immigration, our economic growth, I think we win on those issues. But yes, they don't want to talk about impeachment. Don't believe me. Believe what Schiff said here. They don't want to talk about it. But they're going to impeach him. They're going to impeach him. And they don't care what the conspiracy charge is. It doesn't matter. I'll tell you. I, okay, fine. I dealt in birtherism. I peddled birtherism. I knew Barack Obama was born in the United States. Uh, so wait, wait, wait. Okay, now, wait okay. a second. All right. You peddled a completely phony conspiracy theory about the president. Now, let me finish. Now, let me finish. Well, yeah. Are you proud of that? Uh, is Donald Trump president? <laughs> Well, well, what do you believe in? Yeah, yeah. Is it all smash mouth politics or do you have convictions? I do have convictions, right. which is why I support, once again, as I said to you, principles over personalities. Let me just tell you, I talk, I have great friends. I, lo- I have, let me just finish this. I have great friends and they're liberals. It doesn't matter. Donald Trump should not have won. The Russians helped. Well, how did they help? Well, look at the Russian meeting. Okay, let's talk about this meeting that everybody wants to talk about. Right, I, I want to talk about that, but I just want to just fill back. Okay, you peddled birtherism. You knew it was a complete fraud. Um, why did you do it? Donald Trump shot the number one in the polls. Donald Trump kept a consistent group of, of supporters. It helped him into 2012. He would tell you this when he went to Iowa in 2013. Did, did, did Donald Trump know it was a fraud? Yo, Donald Trump. Uh, Donald Trump believes a birth certificate is not real. I think he believes Barack Obama was born in the United States. But I, if it was, but I don't think. Wait, wait. I'm sorry. He believes the so birth certificate is yeah. not real or is real. He believes Don, he believes Barack Obama is hiding something on that birth certificate. But he believes he was born in the United States. Correct. What's he hiding? I don't know. Do I? You got to ask him. So he's so so Trump absolutely no sense. So is Trump a conspiracy theorist? Do you think he's a conspiracy theorist? Do I think he's a conspiracy theorist? I think that uh, I think that Republican politics has gone the way Democrats are going into the uh, into the Russian birtherism. Republican politics has really gone. When you look at Alex Jones, when you look at Sean Hannity, when he's saying that Julian uh, Julian Assange should be murdered, and then he's willing to go over there um, when he's willing to go over there because of the emails and listen to Julian Assange BS. <laughs> that he didn't get it from the Russians. Did, did you ever have a discussion with Trump about the clearly, completely cynical use of the birtherism uh, uh, fraud uh, to project his uh, to project his poll numbers? Did you ever have a, a frank discussion with Trump about that? When you say it's fr- did I have a frank discussion? If he asked me what my actual opinion of it, I said he's born in the United States. I said he. 
uh, I said, I don't know per se what he's going to release, but I said, here is the issue and here is the rationale if you want me to explain it. There, the same way there are people on the Democrat side who will never accept that he was elected, there are people that will never accept that this guy, Barack Obama, was born in the United States. Now, why? Why? Because he was born I – mean, excuse me, he was born – because he ran in 2008. He ran a great campaign. It was one of the best campaigns we'll ever see. I mean, just getting back to Mike's – isn't peddling birtherism and conspiracy theories about, about race and – isn't that just destructive? It's not race. It's not? No. He was the first African-American. Okay. Yeah. He was the first African-American. No there was no racial component to that uh, campaign of the president's? It, it, it had more to do with that he was Barack Hussein Obama and he, so, and he allegedly converted to Christianity which be, by, uh, by that wonderful Reverend Wright who he then disowned. And he was, um, and he was a pan. He was okay. basically a All pan. Right. Let's, let's not relitigate just, 2012. But if we're going to really get relitigate anything, yeah. it should be 2016. Okay, <laughs> but, so let's go. All right, let's go. You came up with the wall. Is that correct? Yes. All right. Oh, uh, there's come some up disagreement that? about that. All right. Okay. Uh, tell well, us, well, well Roger. Facts are. Yeah. What? Yeah. Because Roger Stone says, uh, not so sure it was you. Might have been, but it also might have been um, others. Yeah, well, he's lying. Okay. He's been lying a lot. And by the way, really. it's kind of newsy right now since the president is threatening to shut down the government this month or next month if he doesn't get the wall. You know what pissed me off about Roger? First of all, he got me into this shit because he had to write me emails that he met with Julian Assange. Lying, I believe, because he had to insinuate himself. I warned him, you're being an idiot. One, she's probably going to win. She will go after you. Two... Justice will go after you. Three, even if Trump wins, he's not going to do anything for you. Trump didn't want anything to do with him during the last couple months of the campaign. Roger pretends he did. The same way Michael Cohn pretends that he was this consigliere to Trump. Trump didn't respect him. He didn't respect Roger. If he respected Roger, why was he about to fire him after I got blown out? Why was he infatuated with Corey? So now Roger will say, I didn't come up with it. Roger, Roger wanted to use me after I got called in because I was telling the truth about his whole crap that he was telling everyone about Assange. He essentially wanted to use me as the fictional employee when he got busted for the uh, ads in, uh, he used to put out with his wife, the fictional uh, drug addict employee he put out. So Roger really owes me an apology, frankly. And I've been good to Roger. I don't owe him anything anymore. I don't. Once it continues to call So me. in March, when <laughs> you— so uh, funny. Back, Wait, but back to the—hold on, hold to, on, hold on. I'm, hold I'm on. trying to keep this uh, keep yeah. somewhat okay, but, but, all right. So, okay. so we're talking about Roger Stone. And going back to, to your media blitz in March, you said that you went out and did that because you—to protect Roger Stone because you thought— I don't been, like his response to it. You, I you, don't like his response to it. And his response came, I did him a disservice. His response came— uh, the jokes on Sam, Sam you know, uh, and then he wanted to basically, uh, I don't know why Sam's complaining about the way Trump treated him. So if we're, I don't want to talk about him. If you want to continue. Is, is he, he going to get indicted? Oh, he's going to get indicted. For what? They're going to, they're going to, besides add him to this conspiracy. Uh, look, I could be wrong, but remember, oh, but oh, so I think they'll make him somehow part of this conspiracy. That they say on a, on a legal issue, the conspiracy charge plus because because, get because he had prior knowledge of the uh, of WikiLeaks was about to dump those emails. 
Or he says he does. Well, he, but wasn't I, I he telling you in real time that he, he had had communications with Julian Assange? When he first told me, yes, he was. And when he first told me that he did, I said immediately, does he have anything on Benghazi? He said, no, it's going to be the Clinton Foundation. Only Guccifer is released on the Clinton Foundation, never uh, Julian Assange. Well, Guccifer was a Russian military intelligence Correct. persona. Right. We know that. I'm just letting you know, I don't well, believe he talked to Julian Assange. Yeah. I think he was BSing. He did have communications with Guccifer. But, but did he indicate to you that he had some kind of inside information about what uh, Assange was going to do? In early August, he did. I what, did, what did he tell you? Once again, he said to me, pardon, excuse me, <coughs> he said to me, I, I said to him, where were you? And he said to me, I had met with Assange in London. He said, I said to him, oh, what email, is he going to release any new emails about Benghazi? Because I thought that, that was an issue we can use against Hillary to somewhat to defeat her. And he said, no, it's going to be about the Clinton Foundation. Once again, it wasn't about either. And, um, but then Guccifer released about the Clinton Foundation. Well, the Podesta emails actually had stuff about the Clinton Foundation, so he wasn't entirely off on that. Um, but the question is, did he really have communications with Assange or was he just bullshitting? I think he was bull. Uh, look, I think he, if there's something, at least from what I know, yeah, he was bullshitting. Okay, now you well, spent six hours before the grand jury. Yeah. Hauled there by uh, Robert Mueller. Tell what was that like, by the way? Well, first of all, I want to get to the grand jury members. Um, I was very impressed by them because to the extent I, when I looked at them, they were really, they're very all listening. They're all taking notes. They, um, you could tell that they're trying to understand what they weave in. Now, remember, they only meet two days a week. They only meet two days a week. Um, do they ask any questions or just the prosecutors? Because I think they're allowed to ask questions. I did not. I did not get any questions. But the pro, but I from the grand jurors from yeah. the grand jurors the prosecutors asked I who said, questioned you which prosecutor questioned you and was Eric, Mueller was Mueller there Mueller was never there I've never seen him mm-hmm. thank God I didn't see him that Friday when I was the grand <laughs> um, he I've been questioned and and I, and we can get to them I've been questioned by with Aaron Solinsky. And Janine, I, I, can't, I don't want to mispronounce Marie, I believe her name is, yeah. And Solinsky is the top deputy to, um, uh, to Mueller, is, is one of the top deputies he is, in that office. For, he was a lateral from justice, right. Yale and Yale. I, not, I mean, that means right. something to people, not to me. He, he is very smart. He is somebody that can be a lawyer in the top firms. Was he uh, one of the 13 angry Democrats, as uh, mm-hmm. Trump has called I don't know Mueller what his team. politics are. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Professional... I mean, well, I have no. I'll tell you. I know who Janine voted for. <laughs> what did they? What did they? Uh, what did they grill you on? So okay. So let me first explain when I answer this. I will talk in broad terms about what else besides Roger, mm-hmm. if you want. Okay. One, I don't want to upset them because I've learned this from Pripahara that they don't like if you talk about grand jury number two. Number two. Although you a are, country. you're you completely can talk allowed about to. anything you want. Number number two, but we can, uh, uh, broadly you would understand what they talk if I give you the okay. the answers, and I think it's pretty much not through me. I want to I don't want them to get mad at me right. leaked out, but they okay. So first we go in and they want to. So let's get to the grand jury. Forget forget the mm-hmm. forget the voluntary. Yeah. Uh, we go in thirty minutes. They have to build up my credibility. Obviously, <laughs> fine. They do. How did that go? <laughs> <laughs> it, it it went fine because we went over how I completely abided by the subpoena. 
we went over how if you've said this, if you've said that, why should they believe you? And I said, because I'm sitting here and I'm under oath. Right. And and I explained to them my view is this is not fair to me and to get drawn everybody and anybody when that campaign might left me dead broke besides depressed working for Trump and I'm drawn into this and it's stuff I won had, you know, okay, so fine, we build up the credibility. Then it goes into, and the reason I go into all the specifics about Rogers because of Adam Schiff had already sent me this stupid letter. He wants me to give everything I gave to Mueller. Um, we talked about Rod, we talked about Roger Stone. In fact, we, we mentioned Michael. And the reason being is that when I was Michael Cohen, Isikoff. No, Michael Isakoff. You, oh, Michael Isakoff. I came up in the grand yeah. jury. Yes. Yeah. How so? In fact, they were doing public readings from Russian roulette. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure, as, Michael. Did, as did well they, they have should. your book? As did well they have they your book? When, when was your grand jury appearance? March. Right? March. March. What? Six. Oh no! It came out. Uh, well, the excerpts ran that week, but the uh, book wasn't on books yeah. stands until March 13th. Well, I want to ask you one so question what, before so what we did they ask about me. So let me tell you. Let me tell you. I, first of all, we can say, look, I was a source to David Korn. I've never spoken to you before this. Before, before Sunday when we met. When we met. I was rest, at, yeah. I've seen you once because I was at the book party. When I saw Roger, I ran into him in a restaurant. Um, he was with, having dinner with Judge Napolitano. I was at another table having dinner with Charlie Gasparino. He, I, we went out, when we were both outside, um, I said, Roger, I'm called in there. I'm telling the truth. Uh, first of all, I have to. Two, I'm a lawyer. Three, I'm not going to jail for anyone. Number four, I'm definitely not going to jail for Trump. <laughs> and I and sounds I sounds like Michael Cohen here. <laughs> and I, well, that's so that's yeah. how I sympathize with him. Yeah, right. And and I said, Roger, you told me you met with Assange. You told me you were in London. That's what I'm telling them. And he said, so then he said, I lost something along the lines. I was joking. And you're the one who told Isakoff, I'm furious at you. I said, I've never spoken to Michael Isikoff once in my life. So I had to give this detail to them. To the to the grand jury. Correct. Right. So Michael Isikoff's name has been mentioned at least once. All right. We in need the grand to get jury. that transcript <laughs> right. and, and read it on Skullduggery. But so they were drilling you or grilling you, trying to build a case that Stone had met with Assange or was having communications with Assange. I think they did. What I, first of all, they only asked me facts in the grand jury as opposed to giving some color to them about why I would give you this answer in the voluntary. The grand jury is different because they have a set amount of time. This is a formula for them. They give facts, 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 facts. What do I know? Not They're not interested in your opinion. Was there anything that they asked so, you? So I don't know. So the reason I tell you that I think that they are going to go this route is because of the indictments that have come right. and the narrative they are building. Right. That is the reason. Won't that hurt your campaign effort to um, minimize or dismiss the Russia investigation? My because standard. If there is indictments that do show some uh, active participation of an American, i.e. Roger Stone, who Donald Trump Russian hated, attack who on the election, that um, furthers the idea that there was some sort of collusion. What is the standard? What is the standard for collusion? What is the standard? If there is something that comes out, I'll be. You can talk to me. I'm sure I can't get another podcast, unfortunately. But you can call <laughs> me up that day. 
um, and I, and I'll and I'll let you know if my opinion changes. I do not believe a circumstantial case. I for, I one do not believe this leads to the president. My standard of it leading to the president is was there direct communication between the president and the Russians? I don't believe there was because the Russians one would be too smart. Well, why, why would that be your Why would that be your standard? Direct communication. Donald Trump the is not responsible for the emails coming out. It is not his responsibility. It is not. He is not responsible for what Vladimir Putin did. And further, raised and encouraged them to come out. That's what. That's what they'll say. And further, those emails. And this is. This was ridiculous to me that James Clapper said this. We can argue the merits of it. That, that the Russians delivered the 80,000 votes that effectively decided the election, that's nonsense, too. That's not why he won. Once again, it is not a crime for a Republican to win a presidential. All right. We're, we're almost running out of time here, so I just want to uh, just mm-hmm. return to Michael Cohen. Yes. What does Michael Cohen have on the president? Um, is he going to be able to deliver uh, a testimony that uh, Trump had prior knowledge of the Trump Tower meeting? Uh, and what else has he got? Okay, so let me first get one quick point out about the Trump Tower meeting. Okay. We keep saying, well, from this is my perspective on it. I understand to other people they will say, he met with the Russians, therefore it's collusion. That meeting, that woman, Natalia, the lawyer, she came in. Oh, by the way, she was before the, the, uh, denied immigration parole from uh, Pripahara. Somehow she gets in, obviously, I think through the Obama Justice Department. They did not – I'm not saying Obama. I'm not getting a conspiracy. Obama did not set him up. Just let me make this point. She came in. She worked on Magnitsky. She lobbied them on Magnitsky. They had said that there was some kind of sealed indictment about Hillary Clinton. They didn't have it. She goes in, and I'm assuming from the public, right, from what the Manafort notes Mm -hmm. that have been reported. She then goes into that stupid thing that Putin talked about, that money from Browder went to Hillary, which it didn't. They kick her out. Jared has the email. The email says, pretend, right, is that confirmed, Michael, that Jared— that he said, get me out of here or something? He, to, he, he texted with uh, uh, either Manafort or somebody or saying waste of time. Yeah, and, and then had somebody Now, call let him. me just right. get this point in too about collusion. If Putin thought – Putin got scammed by Trump the same way everybody gets scammed by Trump. If Putin thought he was going to get an, an ROI, where are we today? The Magnitsky Act still stands. Trump has passed at least two separate sets of sanctions. Maybe more are coming. But, but, but. Let me get – so what did you – what Cohen, was the original – Cohen, I, wh- Sorry, I digress. got? Yeah. Um, he certainly got information about ha- about the president in his personal life. That was his wheelhouse. Pay- payoffs to women. Okay. <laughs> That's it. You, I know, you know about others beyond Stormy Daniels and uh, Karen McDougal? Well, first of all, I don't know about anything specific. I never heard uh-huh. any name specific. The way I operated for, three, for mm-hmm. the reason of in Trump world, if you hurt Donald Trump's brand, meaning his business – uh, you will get fired. If you say anything disparaging about his family, you will get fired. Those issues could hurt his business, I assume, and vis-a-vis this or that. I didn't need to know what I didn't need to know. Michael ne- Michael made a point to say, I'm never telling you anything. I don't want to know anything. Okay. okay? But do you think that Cohen has evidence, just going back to Mike's original question, that uh, Trump knew about the uh, Trump Tower meeting before it occurred? No. Because what we know public, let's just go why. Because first of all, I hate to be, I hate to, I hate to do this to Mr. Bernstein, who said this past uh, weekend that the wa- that CNN is the Washington Post and we are Watergate. Um, he's been seen uh, stepping out of the Regency. 
he was corrected on an Anderson Cooper episode where uh, where he said that Donald Trump sat in weekly meetings with his family. Yeah, right. Now, let me say this is the reason why. Maggie Haberman then has to correct him and say Trump never went to those meetings. I'm Let's say for argument's sake, it's Lanny and Michael. Lanny Davis. Michael had nothing to do with the campaign. They Nobody wanted him involved with the campaign. I didn't think it was necessarily fair. I'm just telling you. But once again, Michael had nothing to do with it. So I can't imagine that he that anything he says stands up. Further, what they have on Michael, even though it's interrelated that it goes to the Southern District, they are looking at his own financial dealings. I, for argument's sake, I, that's an assumption. So where where's his credibility? And I assume Robert Mueller is very smart. He's not going to use Michael. And by the way, maybe he does. I don't think he would. By the way, well, Sam, you've also been. I think you've also been quoted saying that you believe that Mueller has something on. President Trump. Correct. Did you, is that something that you, first of all, did you glean that from your I said, so grand jury again, experience or why do you think that's the case? Because when you go into the voluntary, I don't know what it is, but I'm just telling you when you go into that voluntary and they get in and they know everything that you've done with that campaign, they know everything. They know things that I didn't even remember. Right. So that's so, what I was going to get at. Were you surprised at some of the some of the questions revealed that they had lots of information about the camp inner work and about Trump organization? Anything in and about Trump? Excuse yeah. me. And about Trump yeah. org. Like what? Um, well, it was the way they asked questions. So, for instance, for instance, they would, for instance, St- uh, uh, Roger and I, after we left the Trump campaign, Steve Bannon organized for us to meet. With uh, Levy, uh, I believe his first name is Lawrence Levy, who was working at the Giuliani firm, which now doesn't exist, to who was doing the Mercer work, right? I didn't remember this because it got Mercer being the Robert Mercer, Robert Mercer and his daughter, the billionaire big sugar daddy yeah. for Cambridge <coughs> Analytica. Right. It went uh, nowhere. I didn't even remember about it. They had it on the list to ask me. Right. So at one point. So and when you first go in there and he's looking at the list and he says, so let me just explain this. Sorry for getting out of time. He goes, and I'm like, oh, thank you for reminding me. And he goes, I know these answers. <laughs> if you haven't really, you know what I mean? Yeah. He said, he asked about, I wrote, I, I drafted a fundraising letter, which I didn't get any money out of for Roger in like December 2012. And I didn't even remember about it. They knew about it. All right. So, so look, uh, uh, we are actually out of time. So just to, I'm going to uh, yeah, summarize I, our uh, ask me some, uh, our if you have anything today. else that we got. Uh, Roger Stone's going to be indicted. Uh, Michael Cohen's going to dish on the president. The Democrats are going to impeach the president. Um, that is our formula. We and, believe right. And Mueller's be got something those. on and, Trump. and Mueller's got something on Trump. Um, we your new boss. Steve Bannon of this uh, new organization whose name – Who was a former boss of mine, by the way. He took care – just so you find this out, Michael, because I don't want you to come back to me. After I was fired from the Trump campaign, Steve gave me some work to try to help me out, stay on my feet through Glittering Steel, which was his film company. Okay. Just so you – because I know you're an investigative reporter. My important – uh, point here is he is going to be a guest on Skullduggery in a couple of weeks when this uh, is rolled out, correct? I hope so. Right. I, I hope so. Right. You have, have my endorsement. All right, all right. You have my <laughs> endorsement. <laughs> we have your that's, endorsement. What, that's the way I, I, I mean, right. I don't want to guarantee it to you, but yeah, I, yeah. I, okay. I did. But, and let me explain to you why. This okay. is why. Yeah. 
Because everybody wants to be on Skullduggery. Yes, but this is, we will talk to anyone and everyone. Right. We will talk to the New York Times. Well, first of all, I talk to them anyway. I mean, right, but, right. But I will go anywhere and everywhere. And once again, I want to say this whole idea that the press is the enemy in terms of that they don't treat Republicans well on the stations. As long as I, I'm, I systematically talk about my points, mm-hmm. I've been able to say anything I want. And, okay. And we give you that opportunity. Sam, I got one yes. last question for Sam. What's this new initiative called? Can't say. Well, I have a suggestion. <laughs> Midterm skullduggery. <laughs> um, thank you, uh, Sam Number, for, a, part-time for appearing on Skullduggery. <laughs> thank thank you. you. Thanks, Sam. So, what did you make of that? Oh, my God. <laughs> Head spinning. Uh, yeah. I mean, I kind of, my jaw dropped like 10 times during that interview. Um, and it's just... I mean, not like we're going to put Sam Numberg on the couch uh, and psychoanalyze him, but, yeah. I mean, he is just a very unusual character. And I guess, as you know, you, you said before, uh, kind of Trumpian in a way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a guy who clearly um, loves to be out there, loves attention uh, for attention's sake. And so in that, in, in that respect, he is very Trumpian and one can understand how he and Donald Trump um, had this bond sort of. Yeah, it, uh, it's all about the show, the spectacle, the circus. Right. Uh, and and he said that's what he saw in Donald Trump. He was not drawn to Donald Trump because of his, you know, well-developed views on policy. <laughs> right. he, he said this guy can get elected right. uh, because he's got star power and because he's riveting um, and um, – you know, and I, and I got to say that the, the, his his admission, frank admission about the cynical use of birtherism uh, when Trump was first talking about running for president in 2011 um, was um, was pretty eye opening. Yeah. I mean, he he uh, he effectively said, he, you know, he didn't believe in it. You know, he said uh, that he that, peddled uh, he, birtherism. He, but didn't those were his it. words. Yeah. I peddled birtherism. Right. Um, and uh, I. I knew he was born in the United States. Yeah. Um, you know, he also said Donald Trump knew he was born in the United States, um, although he at he the same thought, time thought, thought that, that Obama was hiding something. Obama was hiding something. Right. You know, uh, you know, it's like students of, of, uh, of scandals. Um, there are always these kind of fascinating, colorful, uh, bizarre, um, you know, kind of marginal figures. Um, and and you know, I don't, we don't quite know how marginal um, – number is he may end up being important well, he yeah. testified for the grand jury for six hours i know i that in and of itself was kind of surprising that uh, the uh, that Mueller's people would have spent this much time with him it does seem from what um Numberg is saying is that uh, roger stone is clearly within Mueller's sights and we may be getting an indictment of roger stone very soon yeah. Yeah. Uh, if we're going to get it we're, we're going to get it i would suspect before labor day yeah. so in the yeah. next few weeks yeah. Um, but he does make me think a little bit of another character from from a previous scandal from Watergate. And who is that? Uh, Martha Mitchell, um, <laughs> the 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 wife of uh, John Mitchell, who was yeah. uh, Nixon's attorney general and then the head of Creep, the right. committee to reelect the president. Um, right. And you know, Martha Mitchell was this uh, kind of gothic. Uh, character um, who Southern character who reporters would call up um, at night 
um, because uh, the belief was that she was uh, drinking um, and, um, uh, you know, might reveal things about the um, the inside the Nixon, administ- uh, Nixon administration and, and, you know, the Watergate uh, crimes. And indeed she did. And I, indeed she was drinking. Right. Um, and of course, uh, Sam Numberg uh, denies it. But, you know, our listeners may remember the huge media blitz that he went on right before he testified before the Mueller um, uh, grand jury uh, when he was just, you know, Going Smashed. On. He was, yeah. I mean, right. And uh, Aaron Burnett on CNN said said to him on CNN, I smell booze on your breath. Um, and he denied it. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we obviously well, don't for, know. For but, the record, uh, we here at Skullduggery did not smell any booze on we did Sam not. Nunberg's no. uh, uh, breath. We did not. Which means he was entirely sober for that uh, yeah. bizarre uh, interview. Yeah. We just the question is, if yeah. he's really like uh, Martha Mitchell, Martha Mitchell later uh, said, I think maybe to David Frost, uh, that uh, she had been brainwashed uh, by the right. by the Nixon um, uh, White House. Well, so. just to co- just to complete the analogy, and by the way, uh, you know, as um, as um, jaw dropping as some of what uh, Sam Nunberg had to say, he's a very amiable guy uh, when you meet him in person. I just met him a few days ago, yeah. for the first time uh, in the green room at uh, at Meet the Press. But just to complete your analogy, actually, although many reporters did call Martha Mitchell. Uh, he ha- uh, she had one favorite, Hel- Helen Thomas, uh, then of UPI, and she. Oh, I uh, think I know where you're going uh, with yeah, this. Yes, yes, and <laughs> and and she used to call and dish to Helen Thomas. So I think to complete the analogy, uh, the Helen Thomas of for Sam Numberg is our colleague Hunter Walker. Hunter Walker. Um, and on that note, <laughs> I think we should uh, conclude today's episode of Skullduggery. Thanks to Sam Nunberg and Hunter Walker for joining us on this week's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to Skullduggery on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And Skullduggery is also on Sirius XM. Subscribers can catch the latest episode on POTUS Channel 124 every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time with replays at 10 p.m. on Saturday and Sundays at 2 a.m. and 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We'll talk to you next week. 